Hey, what's up, guys? It's Matthew Wan here. Uh, I would like to introduce you to Ed Diaz today uh, from Kuno Advisors. Uh, Ed's mission has been to educate and guide clients in the success in financing their existing properties as well as their next real estate purchase in this challenging market. Um, so, hey, Ed, how's everything going? Man, you know, it's feverish. You know, I, Matthew, I never thought that people would be coming out of the woodworks at this accelerated pace with, you know, with COVID 19, but it's been. It's been amazing. I, I just see people that are, and it's interesting, the type of people that are coming out are really the people that are just ready to go. You know how sometimes in our business, they'll say, well, you know what, I'm thinking about doing it maybe in the next six to 12 months. That's not so much the case now. Now it's like, I'm ready to go to races right now. Why is that? Why do you think well, I think it's several things. I think one is the fact that we have artificially low rates. That's always a major propellant when it comes to housing, right? The second thing is, is that, they're starting to know because of great agents like yourself that, look, there's not as many people putting offers in. Get it while it's uncrowded. Last thing you want to do is drive your Ferrari, your brand new Ferrari, you know, in, in a highway that's full of traffic, right? You can't open it up. You want to do it when there's no traffic. And I think that now there's less traffic and people are putting less offers in. So instead of 15 offers being on average, we're seeing five to seven kind of thing. And so that piece, and then we're seeing a little bit more willingness to negotiate on the part of sellers. And so those things are, are really, is what I've seen really propelling this. So right now you're kind of seeing like, yeah, more movement in terms of lending and more people, you know, getting site, getting pre-approved, getting ready, getting yes. ready to buy. And, you know, like let's dive deep into that uh, shortly after. Yeah. So what did you do? How'd you get into lending anyways? And you created Kuno Advisors? Yes, yes, that's correct. And so I'm uh, I'm one of the two owners of my business partner, who's David Armstrong, who actually got me into the business back in the end of 2002, early 2003. Uh, I was doing lending prior to that. It was more on the commercial side. I did a little bit of the residential, but it was more commercial. Yeah, and he just recruited me. I knew him because I had a credit company and I would go and do credit education to all the mortgage companies and real estate companies and banks in general, just teaching them how FICO scores work, how they can help their clients. And we met and we became really great friends. And uh, he called me up to restart a old mortgage bank that had uh, gone dormant. They restarted it. And next thing you know it, I'm, I'm in the mortgage business. <laughs> wow. Since before 2002. So that's a long time. It is, man. I've had my real estate license since 01. So if you could imagine, mm. even though I don't do any real estate, yeah. but back then to, to be a broker, mm. you had to have your real estate license. There was no NMLS. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. I actually had my NMLS as well. So that's yeah, 20, over 20, almost 20 years plus, right? If you start yeah. back before 2002. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's a long time. So you actually seen a lot of differences too in the market. You've seen changing times, especially absolutely. during you know, 2000, 20, uh, 2008, uh, mm -hmm. 2020, 2020. You're seeing a lot of differences. I'm sure you have a lot of advice and a lot of opinions about that and just how everything's you know going on every 10 years or so, right? Yeah, it is about a 10-year cycle. You know, in 2008, we had a mortgage crisis, right? And that slowly reared its ugly head because of valuations just tanking. People that were on these, you know, you know, Nina loans or the Ninja loans, no asset verification, no income, nothing being verified. All of a sudden, when you saw values start to plummet 
and they were in adjustable rate mortgages that were adjusting and they go from 2,500 bucks to $4,500 and they can't refinance, that caused a massive domino effect. The reality is that these loans should have never really existed and been implemented the way they were. Because look, all loans have a specific purpose, right? But it's just, you know, it was the perfect storm. Now we're seeing, of course, we're seeing a health crisis and pandemic that has caused massive, well, global economic issues. So the good news is that we know that people have skin in the game because back in 08, pretty much nobody was putting any down payments because you had 100% financing. In some cases, even 125% financing. Now you have to have some skin in the game called down payment. Therefore, you have some equity. So it's a very, very different situation. It's and the reason why I think we're going to recover, particularly, and we're seeing it now, real estate taking the forefront here of this recovery is because of that. It's because we know that people are making, you know, pretty good income, especially here in the Bay Area, and they're putting substantial down payments. And so it's a different market. It is. I remember um, back because I started in, back in 08, and I remember the time there first 2008 versus 2020 now, and it being a you know a real estate agent, investor, and um, a lender. Uh, definitely, there's you know, a lot of coincidences and things happening, and also a lot of differences. And especially when you talk about you know people's incomes, people's down payments are completely different. State income before, right. um, you know, really minimal non-verification of funds and of income right versus now uh there's a lot of great incomes in the market especially in the bay area one thing that that's different now too is that you know due to the economy and due to the fact that all these companies are becoming bankrupt and closing down and moving out of state um it's completely changing i think a lot of consumers are worried about you know their financing and being stable and being able to comfortably afford to buy a property and knowing the fact they believe they can continue paying the mortgage even during this uh, time period. You have any, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, and look, it's justified, right? I mean, look, who knew that we would reach, you know, what, 40 million unemployed? <laughs> Nobody saw this coming. I mean, this was completely planet Earth going over a cliff. And so, you know, people should be concerned. However, I will tell you that lenders, what they're doing now mm -hmm. is because of the lack of liquidity, they are, for example, when they're going to pre-approve you, they're not only doing a verification of employment and income, but also income stability three times. They're doing it at the beginning. They're doing it before they release final documents. And then they do it again prior to releasing the funds to the title company to fund your loan. So we have, you know, a triple verification, whereas before it was only one time. The second piece, if you're self-employed, they no longer are going to accept a regular standard profit and loss that you got from online that you filled up filled out. They want the CPAs to do an audited profit and loss. So they're tightening up and they're becoming more conservative because liquidity is at stake here, right? The reality is that lenders are in the business of lending. They're not in the business of foreclosing homes. They're not in the business of losing money. They're in the business of lending, which is the reason why most lenders sell their mortgages to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, right? So that they can continue that liquidity and the velocity of money continues so they can continue to lend it out to others over and over again. But right now, I mean, what I'm seeing is there's some lenders that don't want to do jumbo loans. There's other lenders that don't want to do govies that we call them. They don't want to do particularly FHA, the Federal Housing Administration, that has the three and a half percent minimum down payment. And so they're either pricing it so high where rates are so high or they're just not offering at all just to stave off 
any kind of applications going into that. And the other piece is the non-QM. Remember that after 2008, essentially the Dodd-Frank split mortgages into two types, non-QMs and QMs. The QM is a qualified mortgage. It's your typical vanilla, right? And then your non-QM is more of the outside the box, more grayish, if you will, type of loan. What is that? Bank statements, for example, for self-employed that don't show any income on their tax returns. So in lieu of tax returns, they take 12 months bank statements as an example, or a very lenient, we forgive you for having the bankruptcy or a foreclosure type of loan or an ITIN loan, which is a individual tax ID number loan. Those kind of loans have uh, gone away. Now, some have started to inch back, but you know what? Liquidity is still not here. People are still in forbearance. Even though we've seen the applications of forbearance start to slow down, the reality is a lot of people still are in forbearance. And you can't get financing until three months after you reinstate your forbearance. So think about that. There's some lag time. And so lenders have to deal with all that. They're not getting payments, right? On top of everything else that's going on. So, you know, the markets have constricted. And and this is a, a dichotomy, quite frankly, because like I mentioned, when we first started out, more and more people are coming out to play, particularly buyers, because they see low interest rates. However, it's becoming harder to get an actual loan. So the allure, the, the carrot is, you know, the allure of the low rates. But once you get to Oz, you realize who the real, the real uh, wizard is behind the curtain. And he's not quite the one that shows up on this big screen, right? And so it's just more and more difficult. So my advice is to always just get your finances straight, partner up with really great teams, meaning your agent and your loan officer should work as a team, as a cohesive team, because it's it takes a village these days, I will tell you right now. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, you know, definitely real estate agents, they need to be you know fully aware of the loans, the processes, the understanding of the guidelines. Even though they're not a loan officer, they should understand how it completely works in the current market. So you can kind of use that to forecast with your lender uh, to make a plan to make sure that you're fully qualified, ready to go, know the market, know the timing, know the pricing. And it makes it a lot easier to feel more confident in the ability to purchase a property. Uh, that's one of the main reasons I became a lender uh, back in 20, 2010 is because I was helping my investor clients do 1031 exchanges. And during the time period, a lot of lenders didn't know the Fannie Freddie make guidelines, to be honest, that I was working with. And I'm like, forget it. I'm just going to learn everything myself, sure. create a whole database of guidelines and make sure my clients always qualify knowing the numbers in fact. And I even helped one client who had, diff- who had eight properties in 64 units. Uh, Wells Fargo didn't qualify them. I qualified them because I ran all the numbers, figured out all the differences to fix and told the bank, the underwriters, you need to change these numbers to the real numbers. And here's why based on their tax. But no one wanted to do a uh, documentation this big, you know? Yeah, I did, yeah totally. I did it for them. I'm like, all right, I'll right. do it, you know? Well, Matthew, I tell you what, that's still the case. You'd be shocked. I mean, you wouldn't be because you've been in the business, <laughs> but how many lenders don't know guidelines today? It's 2020 people, and yeah. they just don't know because they're more focused on the sales side than on the mastery slash technical side. Yeah, they, you know, in this business, you got to be you got to be right brain and left brain. You know, the right brain is the relationship, the communication, because that's important. You know, part of the cohesiveness of your homeownership team, if you will, meaning the realtor and the loan officers, that they constantly communicate any kind of changes because changes are happening. It's inevitable. It's happening constantly. And then the second piece is each one of them knowing at least having a a, a working knowledge of each other's business. And then the third piece is really know your own business. You got to be a ninja these days. 
it's important that you know and you master your guidelines. And you guys would be shocked to find out how, I mean, the guidelines are this thick, right? For every type of loan, a jumbo loan is not the same as a conventional loan. And by the way, the process to buy a house is very different than refinancing. There's a lot of lenders out there that are great at refinancing, but guess what? They are not masters and they have no clue on the purchase side because it is a different skill set. It is. And, you know, definitely, I remember back in the days, Fannie and Freddie Mac guidelines were changing every single day and going by the hour and going through all the processes. And you had to be on top of the game, know it like back of your hand. And especially for your clientele, like if it's residential, if it's two to four unit, or if it's commercial, five plus, oh. understanding the differences and which lenders actually uh, have overlays on top of it. And what an overlay is, you know, is just, you know, additional items that the bank asks for criteria to make sure yeah. that they, the bank, feel confident and pop the client. And it might be a Additional rates, bumps, or additional requirements, but understanding yeah, that's that just reserves. That's a big thing right now. We're seeing over, thing, yeah. overlays on reserves. They're wanting twelve to fifteen months, whereas before it could have been three to six, right? Yeah, and those are different per lender, right? And knowing yes. that you have a really good lender team who understands that and can find the right product for you based on your um, ability to buy as well as the property type you're trying to buy and your scores makes a huge difference. Some people just, you know, of course, I say they push their product and say, here's what we offer. Here's the best we offer. But they don't tell you that sometimes there's another lender who offers something better and they know it too, you know? Yeah, of course, they keep it tight to the vest. Yeah, yeah. that's one thing I didn't like as a lender. I'm like, that's not my personality type. My personality type is find you the best, the cheapest, the, uh, totally. the and make sure that it closes. Cheap and closing doesn't always equal the same thing. Always find the best for the ability for the client and understand that and provide that to them. So that's as a you know investor, that's one thing I do is try to make sure that hey, I understand loans, but I'm not the lender anymore. Here's the best lenders I work with based on what you're telling me that you need to make sure you're getting the best rates. And let's go compare it just to have, you know, different prong, three prong approach to make sure you're getting what you need and that you qualify for it. Well, 100%. And this is, you know, the reason why as a segue here, why I started my own mortgage brokerage is because I was tired of being beholden to an actual bank who's telling me which lenders I can use, which ones I, we don't have. And it's ironically, most of those banks are not even headquartered here, but they're telling me what products I need in San Francisco, for example, when they're headquartered in Houston, which is a completely different planet and market, right? So I just decided, you know, I'm going to take back that control and I'm not going to work for a bank. I'm going to work for, really work for the client as a broker and make the lenders beholden to us and flip the script. So I would go out there and I would pick the lenders that would compete for the business with the best rates easiest to work with fastest because i like to close my loans in 14 to 21 days i don't like 30 days to me that seems like a lifetime and uh, that can give me really great terms and aren't going to nickel and dime me to death because look the perception is that all banks are created equal and that is not the case i will tell you that some banks are great at marketing okay and they make it look like that rate makes them is a great rate. Number one, read the fi fine print, find out what the truth is. That's why the fine print in commercials is always this thick. And secondly is they might have a great rate, but they might be disastrous to work with. And guess what? They can't close in time. You have a big problem because the sellers now can give you a notice to perform. All kinds of things can happen where you can fall out of contract. And so it's not always about the lowest rate. Of course, everybody wants the lowest rate. Who's going to call me up and go, hey, Ed, what's what's your worst rate? Nobody does that. I've never had that call in 20, 
something years, right? That's never going to happen. But well, we all want that rate for you. But we also need to make sure that we can close and that uh, things don't get in the way, especially last minute, that'll create any kind of surprises. Exactly. Like, especially during 2020, and I see a lot of people do this. There's different kinds of lenders out there. I see some lenders that kind of overpromise, underdeliver. I'm like, there's no way I think in this market based on it that you can actually get this low rate that you're quoting to my clients. And I'm like, you know, I understand it. It's a promise. You're trying to do it. Let's see if it happens, but I don't really think you can in market. And let's see you prove it. Um, and I'm, I want to see the fine print because if you can do it, I'll send everyone to you, to be honest, if you can do it right. Um, for other people, I'm like, let's see what happens with that. But for other people too, I understand like, you know, certain banks, like if you have private money, like, and you have extra uh, post-closing funds, they'll offer you better rates and maybe half a quarter percent, half a percent more, or even up to 1% more. If you're putting that much money into the banking system so they can use your money to invest themselves. And I understand that kind of clientele. And that's like an A plus clientele who has extra bonus money to play with. And, but otherwise, in general, you want to make sure the differences between the banks and between the mortgage brokers. So for you, you're a, your company, Kuno Advisors, is a mortgage broker company, and you can do direct lending too, as well as um, lending to other companies, or you guys just uh, focus on collaborating with other lenders out there? We focus on collaborating with other lenders, but the, the piece that becomes the ancillary part here is that we do have private investors so that we could do private money loans and we can also do bridge financing, that sort of thing. So we do have that at our disposal in addition to commercial lending that we also do. We do that less so than residential. Residential is really our wheelhouse, but we do commercial as well. And like I said, the private money, we've done many bridge loans. You know, We're doing one right now uh, for a client that just, didn't have his condo ready for sale, right? Nobody's gonna still in this market. They're not gonna accept a contingency upon sale. So we have to pull the money out and bridge it, quote unquote, for the down payment and, and closing costs for the purchase of the new while the other sells. That's a good topic. We wanna to talk about that too. Uh bridge yeah. bridge loans and for clients especially. Let's go and let's go into that. So yeah. Um, let's say, for example, a lot of people nowadays, they have properties, they live in it, and they're interested in upgrading now, especially, you know, with shelter in place, they want a bigger house, a backyard and everything. But you know, not everyone has the down payment to qualify, they have a lot of um, equity in their houses. So how can they do a bridge loan to go buy another property and then sell their property right after that, if their income qualifies? Yeah. So what ends up happening is that the, the equity lines are really more asset based and equity heavy based, right? They'll lend hmm, between 60 to 70 percent loan to value on your existing property so you take the value of the property multiply it by let's say 60 percent subtract the existing loan amount and that would be the new max that they would lend to you and so what hap- what happens is that that property is going to sell they that lender will put a demand into title so that when the property sells they get paid their interest their principal that they lent right and fees a lot of times they have points and fees, that sort of thing. And when that sells, but in the meantime, they're lending you the money that you can then use for the down payment and closing costs. And hence the bridge financing because you're bridging from your existing equity in property to the new one. Because sometimes you just either they the seller won't accept a contingency upon sale of your existing property. They don't want to wait. Or two, you need to do stuff to the house, right, to get it up to speed so you can squeeze out a higher purchase price or selling price. Nice. So are a lot of people doing bridge loans, especially in the Bay Area right now? Yeah, I, I, I definitely see that more and more because, again, like you mentioned, I mean, look, especially the condo market, people are realizing that it's not so much fun all the time to be sheltering a place in the 
you know, 800, 900 square foot condo, right? So they're starting to think single family. They're starting to think yards. And so they need to prepare these condos, but they want to get out because the market is still good. So they'll get a bridge loan so that they can purchase the other and not have to wait to sell the existing. How's the um, rate comparison for a bridge loan versus a, a normal purchase loan? Yeah, it's, it's, it really is night and day. I mean, it's the difference between private, what we call hard money and a conventional loan. So you're going to see anywhere from 7 to 10% on a rate, and you're going to see 2 to 4 points. Uh, but keep in mind that this is you know simple interest, so it's not really advertised because the, the money is just short-term money until your property sells. Yeah, and you're only holding it for a certain amount of time. If you need to do that, and you're saying, for example, I can refinance in a month after or even right after post-closing, uh, and I sell my house. After I sell my house, then I can go refinance that primary new primary house, and yeah. then you just kind of calculate that interest difference for the time period of holding to do that. But now you're actually getting the ability to say, hey, I can actually um, you know, buy a property, bridge it, sell my property, and I'm paying only this much more money to do that versus saying I can't qualify at all to buy a new house, so I'm going to stay here. That's exactly right. And here's the other thing is that if you're fixing your current property, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that cost of simple interest is going to be worth it because you're getting a bump in your selling price anyway. Yeah, that's true. And something to consider too. And a lot of, you know, hopefully a lot of agents talk about that and teach the with their client uh, and the lender, here's some options you have to do that. You can do it that way. Another option, if you don't want to do that and you're trying to take a different route is that you're going to go put your house on the market, put it for sale, do a two-month rent back and try to buy and close and move into your next property within two months, or else you know you got to move somewhere else and move twice, and that's yeah. a little more yeah. complicated, right? Well, but, you, can, you could get an equity line too. That's the other part, right? That's the other option. You can get an equity line. They just take longer because the nice thing about a bridge loan is that you can have your money in two to four days. Hmm. It's fast. But, but difference between a equity line too versus a bridge loan is the equity line. You know, for example, if you're taking prime plus two point two five or prime and a half, uh, that uh, your DTI ratio is actually calculated like, for example, plus four on top of that. So it's actually you know say seven plus, and that actually hurts your loan to value ratio to actually qualify to buy your new house. It does because the bridge financing is strictly yeah. an asset based loan, yeah. right? As opposed yeah. to debt to income or credit score loan. You're absolutely right. So yeah. in this case, you don't you know the bridge is kind of like an invisible loan. Yeah, so that's probably a better route than a home equity line. Unless your home equity Absolutely. has that much equity, unless your income is that high that you can actually qualify to do it. Most, people, most people, especially millennials, might not have the ability to do that. Um, but you know, there are people out there who do that too. And Yeah, look, and that's part of the strategy we talk about, right? So when I talk with a client, I'm looking at all these options. That's why I'm asking and looking for paperwork so that I can then piece it all together and say, okay, so here are the options. We can either you qualify, for either getting a bridge loan, which can happen fast if we need that quickness, but if we need, we have a little bit more time, you also qualify for an equity line of credit that uh, you can go get, and it's going to take a little bit longer, but it's going to be a lower rate, lower cost, or no cost, because sometimes you know the credit unions give them away as incentives, right? Because they want the deposit relationship, which is going back to what you had just said that you know some lenders, it's true, you know if you're bringing over substantial substantial deposits to to the game banks actually make way more money by recirculating your deposits because there's a 10 percent reserve requirement so that means 90 cents of every dollar you have in your bank right now is being utilized with a pretty substantial rate of return that they don't really share with you uh they use the mortgage as a loss leader right yeah so that's typically for the higher net worth folks who are bringing in substantial 
Yeah, if you do that, there's definitely good banks to compare. No other bank can beat it because of the fact that they're taking this money for themselves to use it. Absolutely. And And I refer those out, by the way. So when I'm having a conversation, I just tell them, look, I'll be honest. Best thing for you to do is go talk to ABC, you know, High Net Worth Bank, because they're going to be able to give that loan to you way less expensive. They're going to give it away and and lose money because of your deposits. I, I don't have deposits to leverage to be able to do that for you. Yeah. And even then, when I talk to clients like that, I want to make sure they understand that not all banks are created equal in that, even in that same sense, because some banks will say, hey, just put in 250, 500, or a million after post closing. Um, some have no restriction on timeline. You can just, after the day after, you can pull all the money out. Some say, no, you actually need to give a 10% reserve forever. And that's hard to right. do forever of the life that's of your life. Right. And there are some say, hey, I only need it for a six month period. And then you can do whatever you want after the fact. I'm like, hmm, those are some good options for some people who can do that to do it but you need to know about this you need to compare that to a a normal lender uh dark lenders or others so you can find the best product for you and fully understand the whole model to invest and build your real estate portfolio that way rather than just going by uh to be honest a friend a relationship someone who knows another lender out there but they don't know the products to support it and that's yep. a great thing about talking to experienced lenders out there, senior lenders who understand who've been in the game, who understand the products and who are we there to serve you first, uh, rather than serving themselves first, then that helps a lot because they say, to be honest, hey, yeah, your client has a really good, he has a better rate, he should actually go here, not to me. And sorry, I'm losing a deal, but I'm actually providing you a good relationship and value. Yeah, you don't really, look, see, so here's uh, on that note really quickly, you know, you, you're not going to lose a deal that wasn't yours. Do yeah. the right thing and you will never have to chase money or chase deals. They will chase you. I've always been a believer in that. Just be honest, under promise, over deliver, and know your stuff. If you could do that trifecta, I'm telling you, people will come to you because everybody needs a trustworthy person, right? We hear so many scams, so many negative things in everything from car sales to mortgages to houses. It, it there's, there's a scammer everywhere, right? The good news is that most people are not. Most people are really good, but Know your financial tribe, and you need to create a financial tribe if you don't have one. A great CPA, a great estate planning attorney, a great financial advisor, realtor, mortgage person, because if you want to grow your net worth, you're going to need that tribe. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I was thinking about that. I was talking to some of my agents about that. Like, you really need a, a really strong team, and the team includes you as the real estate agent, includes your lender, includes the CPA, includes a trust lawyer, includes other kinds of lawyers and contractors and everything. And when you have that team and you build a really good relationship, and you can actually help your clients so much more and say, here's why I use them, here's how I trust, uh, here's what they provide you, and here's you know the benefits of that. And when they understand that value you're giving them, not only as an agent, you're providing a whole team of services to them that are watching out for their best interests, then they feel more comfortable knowing that and they can you know keep building their real estate portfolio, portfolio that way, right? That's- 100%. And I will tell you, this financial tribe will actually accelerate all that because think about it. They spend 24-7 in their shoes, boots on the ground, so to speak, knowing their craft and knowing everybody else. Because what I've noticed is that people are really good technically, happen to also be really good at networking and knowing a lot of people. And so what they do is that they bring all those people to the table. The greatest thing I like to do is actually do strategy with everybody present. Well, right now, you know, we're in COVID times, but we could do it over Zoom. But normally I would bring in, you know, five, six people into the purchasing decision. I'd bring the tax person, particularly if they're higher net worth, right, to provide the strategy. Because sometimes, believe it or not, for a higher net worth person, maybe it doesn't make sense for them 
to pay points to buy down the rate because the lower the rate, the less the tax write-off, right? Yeah. So as an example. As a, that is a good example. And I sometimes I think about that too. Like when I'm talking about real estate and talking to my clients about it, I'm like, you know, honestly, I'm not actually trying to help you sell your house. I'm actually telling you, keep it. This is a good investment. Look at your numbers, know your cap rates. Even if it's single from the house, know your numbers and knowing what you're doing, what's your net uh, income and what's your cash on cash. Hey, hey, this is actually a good property. Why are you thinking about selling it? I understand the equity. I understand capital tax schemes were not, or if you're 1031 in. So I was like, yeah. hmm, it's better for you to hold it. It's better for me if I sell it, but I'm going to be honest with you, hold this. And if you're in a bad area or you're in an area that's not growing, I'll tell you to sell it, you know? But I see some agents, they're selling they're selling everything out there. I'm like, why are you selling that? That actually was not a good move in my opinion because that's actually a good four-unit building. That's a good investment. That's a good uh, numbers there in your growing area. And I understand if you're selling it, for example, you're selling it because they don't, they're tired of it and everything. Have you provided the other options of, hey, maybe have you thought about property managing it? Have you thought about your kids taking more responsibility of it to take care of it and keeping it? And Oh, you're trying to get money out. Have you thought about a HELOC loan to use that money to do what you need? Have you thought about uh, later in the future using a trust, um, taking estate taxes and get, taking the zero gain on it in the future, 100 years from now, so you're not paying for that? Oh, I haven't thought about that. They never told me about that. They never gave me the advice. I'm glad you're, as an investor, you're giving me all these different options for me to hold it. Like, why sell if you don't need to? Unless you're trading up and you need that money to trade for a better trade, go for it. But remember, you're, time, you're trying to time a market. And I do 1031s all the time. Totally fine if you know what you're doing. But I actually told so many clients, don't sell it yet. And they understand that. But they come back to you because they realize that your value there is teaching them that, hey, here's the best of their clients, that client's interest to what to do, not to me for selling it. I do the same thing, Matthew. Look, I talk so many people out of refinancing because it just doesn't pencil. Yeah. Right. Look, you do the right thing. Look, we are relationship driven, long haul kind of professionals. We arm ourselves with knowledge and people so that we can lead with advice and education. We are not transaction people. We are advice-based folks, right? It's yeah. the relationship. And the people who are, are transactionalists, in the short run, they might, do, might seemingly do better and have more transactions. But guess what? They don't have a scalable business. Because when, for example, in my business, when rates go, go back up, they're out of the business because they just focus on transactions and doing refinances, right? It's just a one and done. With me, I have a massively re repetitive client base that comes back to me because they want to buy a second home or they want to strategize on an investment property, that sort of thing, right? Or they just want to upsize and now they want financing again. It's just the greatest thing and it's a great way to live, quite frankly, because when you go to Safeway or supermarket, right, it's the greatest thing is to hear your name being called and they're coming towards you as opposed to, oh, gosh, there's that. He's going to sell me alone. All right, yeah. kids, get in the car. You know, we'll come back tomorrow, right? I don't want that to happen. Yeah, I noticed that too. And even for me, like even 10 years later or more, I still look at my clients' product, uh, properties. I still look at the rates and say, hey, have you thought about refinancing? How come you haven't refinanced yet? I know your current status and your rates in my head already. So like, hey, you should talk to my lenders out here to make sure you're always refinancing, even if it's more paperwork. The fact is, if you can do no point, no fee, and it's minimal work, and you're getting, you're saving 200 one of my clients saving $700 a month, and they're like taking their time to refinance. I'm like, this is the best market. You refinance now. And they're always asking, what if the market drops in two months? I'm like, refinance later again. Just wait. You know, but right now is such a good time to refinance and you're saving that much money. Are you gonna try to capitalize on a little gain left over? You know? Yeah, sometimes it's just people get short sighted, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I have yeah. a client now that I'm saving them a thousand nineteen dollars a month. 
I mean, it's the craziest thing. And, you know, he was lagging for a while. And I said, hey, you got to get going, man, because sometimes the bus does leave the station. You don't want you want to be on that bus. Right. You want to make sure. But the, the nice thing about numbers is that they don't lie. The numbers are the numbers are very unemotional. But people yeah. are emotional, you know, because we're we're human beings. And so I, I get it. But you can't chase bottoms. Yeah. If you look at the stock market, you look at rates, you look at even prices of homes, people who think that they can time get spanked. Most human beings are not good at timing absolute bottoms. So they miss it. It's really hard to time it. I used to, I used to time a lot. Like when I was a lender, what I had is two screens on, right? One screen would have all the stock markets and lots global trending. And I would time the market and the, all the QE easing and all the drops. I would beat my broker by a quarter percent or half percent more than him because I was watching all the news and timing my clients investing refinances and like locking in. It's like, holy crap. I do that now. You do that now. That's even better. I do that now. You know, I watch the I watch the technical charts and I look at the fundamentals as well. I'm I'm constantly on feeds. I'm I'm looking at what's going to happen tomorrow. Is is who's coming out with earnings? Yeah. Where's some negative news? Because for those of you who don't know, just to keep this very simple, when there's negative news, rates go down. When there's positive news, rates go up. Why is that? If you yeah. think about it, there's two buckets of money. You have risky money, which is stocks, and then there's safe money, which is bonds. Right. So when there's bad economic news, what do people do? You go to safety, you go to bonds and rates go down. When there's good economic news, what happens in your brain? You get frisky. Right. Yeah. You take less risk. So what you do is you go to the risk, but it called stocks and rates go up just to keep things simple. And so that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for these kind of trends. And I like you, uh, Matthew, you know, because I'm a technician, I'm very left brained. I'm able to also capture, and it's funny you mentioned that, about a quarter to three-eighths better rate just by timing. And sometimes it takes a day. Sometimes it takes a couple of days, right? Yeah, and that matters too. When you know the market and when you know your 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 data, then you can help clients advise them better to give them. Uh, I know there's some people out there who say, hey, the rate's better than yours. Let's just lock it in today. I, don't have to, I can move on to the next deal and go from there. You know? There are those. And again, you know, there's transaction people and then there's relational people. Yeah, I'm like, great, thanks. If you look at my clients and my list, my rates are so low they can't even beat it, even though they cl they closed, they got great rates and timing. It was tough for me to do that, but it's yeah, it's extra work. Added value, yeah, but so much added value that they're gonna speak forever about you in, in ages, telling all their friends about you and how you helped them get the best at the time so that they can feel comfortable and keep in uh, building their portfolio so much quicker that way. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's 100% correct. Yeah. So how is how is the current economy right now? Like in terms of lending right now, like what's going on with uh, lenders and loan officers with, with all the shelter in place rules and the changing market? You know, I think lending is really taken to the working remotely kind of thing because we're all independent, so to speak. You know, the difference is that lenders, operational people, have been working from home, but what they have found, much like the the tech world, is that employees are actually very productive when they're at home. Not all of them, of course, right? I'm doing a, a wide brush stroke here, but in general, we're seeing that people are more productive because when they're at home, they actually have a tendency to work longer hours because they don't have to be in a car. It's more convenient. They can get up and just go get something to drink, come right back and get back at it. So we're seeing that in you know, like I mentioned before, lenders are retrenching on certain products like jumbos and FHA loans. But we're slowly going to see that come back with liquidity because all that is fear, right? Remember, lenders want to mitigate fear and risk as much as possible because they want to keep lending. 
They don't want to foreclose. They don't want to go out of business. Although some lenders have gone out of business, much like other businesses, right? But I think as I think real estate is going to have the fastest recovery out of all the segments because we're seeing it now. And with that, we're going to see more liquidity coming into the market with time. You know, the Fed has definitely backed. They said that they're not going to raise rates until maybe 2021. I don't think it's going to happen until maybe Q1 of 2022, quite frankly. Yeah. We're, going to have, we're going to have crazy low rates, my opinion, next three to five years. So I think it's a great time to uh, to be in lending as well. Look, a lot of lenders are not going to probably hire newbies just because the volumes are so huge. I mean, just what yesterday they announced that you know, demand is up another 11%, right? I mean, that's double digit. Rates dropped again. And so all that is really propelling just a, I don't want to call it a V-shaped recovery, but, you know, more more of a V than a U, right? <laughs> Especially in real estate. And so it's a great time to be in lending and, and, to, and to incorporate yourself with somebody who really, uh, an institution that really, will provide you support because the mortgage industry has a tendency to bookend people's careers. They tell you everything you want to hear up front, abandon you in the middle, and then they tell you everything you want to hear so that you don't leave because they want your production overrides, right? Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate, but that's been my experience. So make sure that you vet, if you're considering to get into the lending business, that you really vet the lenders and talk to people who are there, who have left there. And it's easy to do now because you can go on LinkedIn, right? And really vet that and maybe even consider doing a one month working interview where you can actually be part of the culture, but be able to unplug in case that there's not a model match. Yeah, I actually seen a lot of lender friends who jump companies so many times in the in the lending industry because they're trying to find the right model to fit them, but they jump like one, two, four times or more. Like, wow, you you change pretty quickly, and like, hopefully, most of them have been overpromised. To be to be yeah. truthful, Matthew, I don't think anybody really likes the jump. You yeah. know, the jumping process involves so much time and also money because you have you have databases, you have your clients, and then you have to market to them again to let them know. And it's, you, you, your momentum just clips. It stops like hitting a wall, then, you know, getting back up and being dazed and confused and then trying to run again. Right. Yep. So I don't think anybody does it on purpose, but the ones that you see moving over and over now, look, there's some of them that move over and over again. Why? Because they're getting, they're getting more money. Maybe they get an upfront bonus. I'm not talking about those people. Okay, yeah. that's the money chasers. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the ones who really are in the long game. They move because they realize that the promises that you've been given were really not true, and they broke the promises. And I've seen it. Yeah, and sometimes the products don't fit. Like the products they promise you, and you know, once you go into the real guidelines, like this actually doesn't fit for my database, my clients. Right. So actually, um, you know, unfortunately, they're stuck, or else they have to move again and find the right one. And that's part of the promise they deliver. Or um, they promise a product that's coming and then it never does, right? Yeah, exactly. That's true. You know, in terms of the like what you mentioned earlier, like I think 2022 and beyond was when the timing is uh, they recently mentioned. Um, yeah. The current interest rate for federal government for, towards the lenders is at zero right now, right? And they're trying to fund and buy in all the loans they can buy uh, for the you know Fannie Freddie Mac, uh, Mac approved uh, you know, government loans that they can do, but for the jumbo loans, it's all in a uh, lender base and that's their personal funds. So right now, a lot of investors are not actually funding unless you're already a pre-existing client, high net worth client or something, uh, something else that's special to them. But that definitely makes it tougher in the Bay area because of a lot of 
people buying need jumbo loans. Need jumbo loans. Yeah, it's a mostly jumbo loan area. And you're right, these loans yeah. are not insured. They're not bought by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. So yeah. there's not that velocity of turnover. And so they have to make that risk decision. Yeah, uh, either on the loan or to even offer it. So are you seeing like lenders out there right now, like a lot of them actually pull back and not providing jumbo loans right now? Or yes, I, I am seeing that, although I'm seeing some of them starting to trickle back. Okay. So what do people, what do you, uh, what do clients do then in that case when they're trying to buy like, you know, a house in Bay Area is like, you know, average price point, like 1.2 to 1.5 million and you're down paying 20%, you're in a jumbo loan. So what, what are you seeing them do now to try to buy a property when their income's, you know, they have good income? Well, quite frankly, hopefully their, their realtor refers them to somebody who can do it. Cause like I have a 10% down jumbo, okay. right? To 2 million. So I can, I can still do that. My 5% that I used to have went away. Nobody's doing the 5%, but think about that 5% jumbo. Yeah. Uh, I have 10%, yeah. I have a 10% with no mortgage insurance. So I still have that product or here's the other alternative. This is very important, right? If you're taking notes, write this one down where you could do a first and second combo, right? You, in these areas, the maximum conforming loan limit is 765600 So you would do that as a first and then spill out the remainder of the loan into a second. So technically, you have a conventional first and then you have a second, like an equity line of credit, just to kind of hack you know, the jumbo loan necessity. Yeah. So when you do that hack and you do a first and second, isn't it the total loan balance like 1.265 or something? Like if you take 76, uh, 726 plus the 500K home equity line of credit maximum, uh, there are some other uh, lenders who actually do a higher maximum, but then the rates are so vastly different that most people don't do that. So then after that is your down payment to qualify. So most likely you're going to hit 1.4, 1.5. Right. If you're going beyond that, then you definitely are at a different price point anyways, different level, income level, passing that number. And here's the thing is like you mentioned before rewinding is that, you know, this is to, now becomes a strategy to get in and then restructure it again, because none of these loans have prepayment penalties. So mm -hmm. you just refinance, yeah. right? When the liquidity comes back into the market, which is going to happen in my opinion, within the next 12 months. That's true. Yeah. I think, I hope so. Um, definitely. And you have a strong income, you can do that. Then it's definitely a good way forward to do right. that. And then the lenders who can offer that product. So even then, like uh, I'm sure when clients speak to lenders, not all lenders offer a first and second, not all lenders offer a 10% down payment, not sure. all lenders help um, jumbo loans. So it's more for clients understanding, you know, who is on your team, who's able to help you, who has the experience background to show you the right product, the right fit for you to make sure you're qualified for the best rate term and that they can close the deal and make it easy as possible for you to do it. That's the harp challenge that people need to go through and find the right team to work with. 100% well said. Yeah. And that's for me where I come in and look at experience. And, you know, for me, I, I don't work, honestly, I don't work with new lenders because I know I've been a lender and I ask them guidelines and like, if they don't know it, I can't work with you. I can't help you. I can't provide you to my clients. I can't support you. Right. I need yeah. to find really great seasoned lenders um, who have that background experience, understand real estate, investing my clientele and their strategies and tie that into my CPA, my lawyers and everyone else so that we have a game plan for them. And it makes a huge difference because it's so much easier, so much more fun because everyone knows what to do. And yeah. just asking the right questions is all about questions. Now, here's what your scenario is. What's, here's all the questions. Let's make sure we accomplish your goal. Absolutely. Imagine going to war with somebody who doesn't know how to shoot a gun. I mean, <laughs> would you, I mean there's just no way, right? Yeah, you got to have somebody who can put the bullet in somebody's eyeball in reality, right? Yeah. And, and here's the other thing is that it's your name. When you refer somebody, it's a reflection on you, whether yeah. you like it or not.
And so when I refer people out, I have to vet them. I got to know them. I have to break bread. I need to see your face. I can need to look at your eyes when you say things. You know, I need to have coffee with you. I need to start that relationship, right? Because I need to make sure you know your stuff. Because the call I want is, hey, Ed, you know what? Thank you for referring me to Matthew. Man, does that dude know his stuff? Thank you so much for referring me. That's the call I want. Not the, Ed, why'd you refer me to this guy? Man, he doesn't listen. He doesn't return calls. It takes him three days. I mean, why? I don't get it, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, part of building a team. And if you're in, if you're investing in real estate, even if you show your first and only house, you're still investing in real estate. So you still need to build a great team so to understand what you're getting into. And I see that over and over again. Like, why'd you buy that? Why are you paying this much? Why are you going net, uh, taking a net loss on your investment? It doesn't make sense, you know? Right, right. Uh, they told me, they told me that's a good deal. I'm like, have you ran the numbers actually and looked at the numbers? You know? Yeah, good deal to who? <laughs> good deal to, exactly, good deal to who? Yeah. So, what I, you, I have a suspicion that there's a commission around, uh, around that topic. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, and hopefully it wasn't that way. And I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully, just by experience and education that they haven't learned about that part yet. They haven't been here for uh, you know multiple decades and understand the different downturns that are happening. That's true. But, you know? And that's part of it. So what do you see about the current trending rates and the timing right now? Like, what do you see going on for 2020, 2021? Like, how, how, how do you advise clients right now? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the challenging parts are going to be, A, trying to get a jumbo loan or trying to get a non-QM, you know, outside the box loan. Uh, FHAs right now, especially if your loan amount is greater than 510400 it's challenging on the interest rate side because... Most of them are capping their interest rates as far as the highest that you can go. Uh, and the reason why I mention this, because it sounds like an odd statement, is that they're pricing them at exorbitant amount of points to get these rates. And so you got to be careful when you're above $510,400 loan amount on an FHA because it gets very, very expensive. So I think that trend is rearing its ugly head right now. I don't think it's going to hopefully last more than six months, but we shall see. You know, everything's a, a big question mark with this whole COVID-19 thing. Uh, but otherwise, on the conventional side, you know, rates are still great. I think they're going to stay low. You know, look at what the Fed said. I think the rates are going to continue to stay low. I don't see them jumping substantially anytime soon. So it's a great time to jump in and buy if you can. Or, you know what, go find out if you can. Don't go off emotion. Go get pre-approved. Find out what your numbers are. Because the pre-approval, by the way, is not a commitment. We're not going to put you in jail because you didn't buy because you got pre-approved, right? It's just the beginning of your homeownership roadmap. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, you know, people need people who want to buy should definitely, you know, try to start learning and understanding and making making sure they run the numbers, getting pre-approved now, um, getting to know what they're. What, what's the best program for them getting to understand it and getting to understand what all the documentation they need, how comfortable they are, understanding the whole process. And when you're timing it right and trying to find the right property and you're ready, you're fully committed and you're fully aware of the whole uh, situation so you can feel comfortable going in rather than saying, hey, I just saw a house, I want to buy it. Let me go get a loan. Oh, well, you need all right. this? No, you need all this stuff. Hey, I'm self-employed. I'm a realtor. I'm a doctor. Right. I, I didn't know you need all that. That's going to take me ages to get. I don't even have it my my for example your financials are all messed up it's on paper right you know and now right. you know, cpas and you know auditing for investor loans or jumbo loans then 
it's more time consuming, right? And then that property is well, going to be you're hurrying things. Let's be honest. If you're, you're doing you're hurrying, things. you're hurrying things, and guess what happens when you hurry things? You make mistakes. And mm -hmm. the other piece that's very, very important is that when you go through the pre-approval process, you get to find out your numbers. Let's just say that those numbers aren't the ones that you need or want. Then a person like myself will give you homework and let you know exactly what you need to do to get there. So it becomes homework now. Now you go and get it done so that that way you can come back and get approved for a higher amount. But at least that pre-approval process will tell you, A, if you qualify, and B, what you qualify for on a maximum purchase basis. Yeah. And I think, you know, people are, sometimes people are scared. Some people are just busy and they just like, they don't feel, they feel like they don't want to do that paperwork. It's really not that bad. It's really just got document gathering. Like, Hey, where's all your bank statements? Where's all your pay stuff? Where's all your W2s? Yeah. Where's your 1099s? Finding everything together. And hopefully by doing it the first time you become more organized. So you can just have a folder already pre-placed and you just keep updating it as you go when you need to update it. And then it makes it so much simpler to say, hey, I'm ready. Let's go. In fact, here's a good property. I'm ready. Here's my updated documents. But a lot of people are scared by that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think, you know, and you mentioned this, is it's so important to be financially organized. The more organized you are, it's not just even on the mortgage side, just your, your financial life just tends to flow. You know, you should be able to access documents within minutes. And if not, it's time to reassess and create a system, right? Maybe you want to use Carbonite or something and scan and have everything in the cloud encrypted or in a local folder uh, that is encrypted. Mm -hmm. But have something so that if and when you need to make moves, because you never know what happens if tomorrow Matthew found you a house that's $300,000 below what he knows that it can appraise because of the seller situation. And now you're in a situation where you could have made 300 grand day one, but you're not because you're not organized. Treat your finances like that, as if you're about to hit the home ownership lottery if you're ready to take action. That's how you plan. Exactly. That's what people need to do. And that's hopefully we can get them ready. And hopefully when they're seeing this, they understand that, hey, we're taking this seriously. And this, you know, whether you think it's a good time or not, just be ready. So when you're ready, you can go and you're comfortable and you know what you're doing. And then you're, you know, you're a good, stable job. Great. And if you think the job, the economy is changing, going down, you can kind of, you know, plan ahead, right? And you want to move and upgrade from a condo to a single family or, you know, multi-unit. That's a choice. But without having your finances ready, you don't have a choice. That's exactly right. And the more, look, the more prepared you are, the luckier, quote unquote, you look. Why? Because you're able to take action on an opportunity. Doesn't mean you have to, but the more you look, the greater the chances you're going to find a good deal. But be prepared. Don't fall in love with something you don't even know if you can consummate, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and going into like, I see you doing a lot of social media lately. You're doing a lot of content creation. You're doing a lot of YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, you're making a lot of content. Like, you know, what's your thought on that? Like, why are you doing it? And like, does it help? Yeah, you know, I've uh, I've always had this just heart to give, and I love the education piece. Even though I'm a mortgage person, look, that's what it says on my title, but that's not who I am. Who I am is a lot more robust. I consider myself to be an educator and a teacher. I love content. You know, I think part of it is because I grew up as an only child and I excelled in school and I love school and I love learning. And so I also like to disseminate information because for two reasons. One, because I feel like there's a huge need for really good, honest information coming from a source that lives and breathes it 24-7. And second, because there's a lot of junk out there. My gosh, there's so much stuff out there that's completely contrarian or not even factual. And so I want to dispel a lot of myths, particularly when it comes to buying a home. For example, 
the 10% down jumbo. Well, if you think it's going to take 20% because you read three articles, guess what? If you don't have the 10%, what are you going to do? You're going to shelter in place with your dreams. I don't want you to do that. I want you to get the facts that the fact is you can with 10%. And now you can take action, see? Because you can only exercise those resources that you know are available. It's almost like your rights. If you don't know you have rights, then you don't have them. You got to be aware. That's step one. That's yeah, exactly. You got to be aware of it and know. So I'm glad you're doing that too. You're doing a lot of great, uh, providing a lot of great content, providing value, and you're doing weekly too. You're providing different resources, different topics. You're providing the missing pieces. A lot of lenders don't speak about. A lot of lenders won't even go on Facebook Live to be honest. You know, I know their guidelines and companies and all that policy, but you know, just providing valuable education and nothing specific, but just valuable education, it matters. And knowing that you're giving consumers options to choose from and understanding that there are options out there for different types of people different income levels it matters and providing the real truth and um things that you can help with and having them have an understanding it matters right so i'm glad that you're writing this uh you know a lot of content out there especially on youtube and facebook thank you yeah so yeah anything else you want to wrap up before and let the consumers know let our clients know what what can help you with yeah look just schedule your meetings silence your voice that says, well, maybe now's not a good time, or I'm waiting for a 10 to 15 or 20% drop in prices in the San Francisco Bay Area. Not gonna happen, by the way. <laughs> Just get together with somebody like Matthew. Start there and explore, and don't be afraid to dream big. And then let's get the homework together that it's gonna take for you to be able to make the big dreams actually come true. Look, we all have heard all kinds of crazy stories, right? Of people that came from nothing that create something in something big or bigger, not that bigger is always better, but I'm just saying, don't silence that. You want to silence the negativity that goes on in your brain, fire the committee, get together with experts and explore the actual possibilities. That's step one. You don't have to be an expert at mortgages or real estate for that matter, but what you have to be an expert at is owning your own dreams and creating a financial tribe, such as the great folks like Matthew, that can help you get that momentum going and get started because that's the key is just showing up. You know, you know what they say about showing up. That's nine, that's three quarters of the, of the battle right there. So show up first and then get the facts. Don't read stuff that is going to feed your fears and tell you no. Don't do that. Thanks, Ed. I'm so happy to have you a part of our podcast and you know be online. Just share with the audience everything you've been doing, and it's, it's been great. You know, watching you grow throughout the years. Um, so, how can our audience reach out to you? Uh, well, you put it right there on the screen. Call me. My cell phone is that one right there, 415-368-1149. If you happen to get my voicemail because I'm always in meetings, send me a text. And secondly, you can just email me, ed at kunoadvisors, with an S at the end, dot com. More than happy to give you as many strategy sessions. I don't charge for them. My applications don't cost anything. You know, I do that up front because I want to prove to you. And I just say, to prove to you that I'm in the long game and I'm here to help you. It's not about the money. It's really about the impact. Great. So yeah, guys, if you want to reach out to Ed, he definitely should. He has a lot of great experience, been around for over 20 plus years, helped a lot of clients, a lot of people I know uh, with loans and definitely reach out to him. His phone number is down below. His email is there too. You can check out his website and just contact him. Just ask questions and just learn about what you need and find out if he if he's the right fit. 
the right product or what you need to do to get to the next steps. Um, so guys, for more information, you know, check out our website. Uh, you can go to youtube.matthewmod.com to see more about interviews, mastermind events, and more. And we'll talk to you soon and see you in the next one. Bye. Thank you again, Matthew. Thank you. Bye.